You are listening to the One Life Podcast by Stena Fitness, where we share our tips, journey, and failings to help you maximize your one life. Welcome to episode 19 of your One Life Podcast with Stena Fitness. We have a very special episode today. Unfortunately, Julie cannot join me. Uh, but I have Laura Eistead, Executive Director of Two Wheel View. Uh, and you probably, if you've been following me on my socials, know about the Everstein Triathlon that's coming up September 17th to 19th. And the nonprofit we're organizing for, not organizing for, fundraising for, is Two Wheel View. Uh, and Laura is the, the head of that and has been for, is it close to four years now? Just over four years, yeah. And so I met Laura a bit over four years ago, I suppose then, yep. uh, when I was on the board of Two Wheel View. Uh, and what really struck me about Laura is how she created a, a community amongst the staff at Two Wheel View that's very much a positive mindset and a growth mindset. And there's lots of learnings from what Laura did at Two Wheel View that we can apply to our own workplaces, to our families, relationships. Uh, so I'm really excited to pick her brain on, on how she did that so we can all uh, take her good good lessons and and apply them to our lives but first laura tell us about two wheel view yeah absolutely thanks for having me kevin this is no, really awesome i should have said i apologize because you're our first guest and so i apologize no. for the mistakes i'll make uh, and also super excited that you're our first guest yay that's so awesome i feel so honored that's very cool um, yeah, Two Wheel View is an organization that uses the bicycle as our vehicle for change in the community. And we predominantly work with youth uh, 12 to 24 years of age in a wide variety of programs where we teach them bike mechanics. Um, we teach them, um, you know, more than that, we teach them life skills and we teach them confidence. And, and you know, young people are so capable, but most, you know, most times they just don't see it yet or they've never been put in a position where somebody has helped fill their bucket enough for them to see it yet. And so we wanna play that role in their lives and be a catalyst for positive um, mindset and, and growth and, and that opportunity that we're always learning. And that, you know, when you cross, when you cross the, the proverbial finish line and become an adult, that doesn't, you're, you're growing, you don't just all of a sudden become this, you know, sort of magically changed person and that, you know, there's opportunities to grow and you're still continuing to learn throughout your life and that you, you don't have to be stuck with the same labels or more mindset you may have grown up with or the environment in which you were, you know, raised um, or found yourself at school or things like that is that you can grow and, and move beyond that. And we want to be able to provide young people with the, with a, um, a view of that and um, use the bike as a tool to, to give them, give them literally the wheels to be able to, to make it happen. That's a great analogy. I always thought of it and correct me if I'm wrong as the bicycles, the, the hook or the carrot to teach that a social emotional learning and get youth to adopt that growth mindset. Because I think in schools and there's no fault of the education system, it's tough to get out of the fixed mindset because, mm -hmm. you know, teachers have to grade them and there's rules around that. And so it, it can really have that pass fail mentality in youth uh, that I think we carry with us right through our adult years. And I think two of you really strives and does a good job and, you know, exactly what you talked about, adopting that growth mindset. 
Yeah, it's about the bike, but it's also not about the bike. So the bike is, you know, a good metaphor for so many, you know, things. And, and we always say, you know, we put we put young people on bikes for our bike trips, for example, and, you know, you, you can do anything if you pedal enough, like if you push the pedals enough times, either on a bike, if you're on a trip, if you're doing a triathlon, if you're doing whatever, if you push the pedals enough times, you're going to get someplace. And that is a really excellent metaphor for life. If you just keep pushing those pedals, you're going to end up somewhere. Um, um, and you get to choose where that somewhere is. And there's, you know, there's possibility depending on how you, you know, how you look at the world and how you can um, choose to um, take on things that happen to you and use them as, as fuel to, to, you know, push you forward into other things that you, the dreams that you have and the things you want to do. Yeah, that's, that's a fantastic analogy, right? If we, if we stick to it and we're consistent, then great things can happen. It's what's, what's the quote as you, overestimate what you can do in a day and underestimate what you can do in five years right it's something like yeah. that so yeah yeah one thing absolutely. you talked about that i'd like to dive into a little bit more is you talked about how you get these youth to adopt that growth mindset and correct me if i'm wrong again but i'm guessing they don't necessarily have that going into the program so how is it that yourself and the facilitators can instill that in them and and how can they, how do they see it grow and manifest over the course of the program? Yeah, it's really, um, it's really magical to see the transformation in a lot of our youth. They go from, you know, feeling that they have to be exactly who they're told to be by potentially parents, potentially their peers, potentially teachers. They think, you know, like I'm just, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm not going anywhere, you know, for some of our youth. And, and so, for us, it's really about role modeling that and role modeling that that's possible. And I think it's also about leading with um, vulnerability and authenticity and and I my personal practice is to you know not not to have the veneer on that I know it all or that I have it all figured out but I am capable of learning and I am capable with the help of a lot of other smart people figuring it out figuring out the solutions to the problems and I think it's role modeling that for them I think it's it's encouraging in them and in providing a safe space for them to try things out because I think we often, you know, and it, it happens to humans at all ages and at all levels, we think, you know, we're, we think we're in immediate zone of judgment. If we don't know something, there's something wrong. Um, if we don't, you know, if we don't get it right on the first try, that's embarrassing or full of shame or any number of emotions that, you know, come along with that. And, and so we try to provide them with a safe environment to be able to practice some of these things to fail forward and to fail safely and to go, okay, that didn't work that time. That doesn't mean that you're a bad human or a, a bad person. This means that there's just an opportunity to maybe consider it differently or to do it differently. And I think just having that that place to practice is really critical for that positive because it's not something that you just do once and then go oh yeah I got this all figured out I'm just going to be positive all the time and the mindset's going to go and every day is rosy from here on out um I think it's providing those opportunities for for constant support and constant trying of new things and that that community to support you when you when you um you you might fail or you might not live up to your own expectations i mean that's the, one of the biggest things is living up to our own expectations is more challenging than any of the expectations that community you know the community puts on us um generally speaking but i think it's having um you know that that space where they can they can try things out and they can try different versions of themselves and then you know learn about that and and then move forward and hopefully take that with them for the rest of their lives 
Yeah, I think that that speaks to when I used to teach, we call it the jeopardy effect, mm -hmm. in that the students who raise their hands the fastest and get the answer right the fastest are the ones rewarded. And we yeah. don't give them space to think and just think, what's the answer and analyze it in their minds and then, you know, raise their hand. And I think, you know, whether it's at work or home or in relationships, when we ask a question um, or we're problem solving, we shouldn't expect who we're talking to to have the answer right away, right? We need to give them space to breathe and think and, and popcorn and brainstorm out those ideas and, and you know, some of them may not be great ideas, but, you know, let's have the space to have that discussion. Yeah, and I think that goes hand in hand with active listening too, right? Like, I think we spend so much time in our own, and this is, I see this at youth, I see this in my team, I see this in myself, um, I see this in my 95-year-old grandmother, like you're, you're worried about what you're going to respond with rather than actually hearing and experiencing what the other person's experiencing or what you're, you know, or even in your own self, you're worried about having those answers right away rather than allowing the experience and what, what is this moment trying to teach me? And I think that that reflection, both for, for experiences you have when you interact with other people, but also the experiences you have when you interact with yourself and your own, you know, positive mindset and things like that and reflecting on that and giving yourself per space and permission to be able to, um, you know, okay, well, that's, you know, that didn't really work out, but what could we do differently? How do I want to approach that differently? And, and, and give yourself rather than needing to have an answer right away. And I think our society very much likes answers right away. And it's hard to sort of reprogram yourself for that. We almost rather have answers as opposed to having the right answer. Yes. Right? 100, yeah. 100%. One thing you talked about is, is leading by vulnerability or, or leading by example and in that example being vulnerable and I think that really makes sense and sense and although we may not realize it I think we're all leaders to someone mm -hmm. so whether it's you being leaders to the staff or the staff being leaders to the youth or the youth being leaders to you know a younger sibling or a younger friend down the street you know we're all leaders to someone and I think if we really take that on board and realize that everyone's in a leadership role to someone. And if we can be vulnerable and, and open, it's going to allow that, you know, even if it's just one person, a friend down the street, it allows them to do it. And I think we can slowly have that. Yeah. And everybody's a teacher to someone else. And I think it goes both ways. I think that there's, you know, there's so much to, there's so much for younger people to teach us um, about their experience. Now they live in a very different world than what we grew up in. Um, you know, my, my childhood was mostly analog. So, um, you know, they, they live in a very different world. And I think allowing young people to be the knowledgeable other and come to the table with a wealth of experiences and a wealth of understanding of their own experience, you know, by listening to that and, and, and holding up a mirror to that and being like, this is incredible. Like you're not just because you're 15 doesn't mean you haven't lived some life and haven't experienced some things that were hard and some things that were joyful and some things that challenged you and some things that you like you've overcome, you know, it was that saying something like you've overcome a hundred percent of the things you've encountered in your life thus far. Um, you know, like you, like, you know, I think that that's what we do at Two Wheel View is try to hold up that mirror to them and say, look at, look at who you are. Like, look at what you've overcome and the things that you got to be here today and the things you're going to continue to overcome, um, is really, you know, a really powerful and, and a really, um, big responsibility. And I think something we talk about a lot is celebrating the small wins. And I think it's similar, right? If you, if you celebrate the small wins or you look at those 
all even the small obstacles that you've overcome it helps build momentum and it yep. builds confidence and then it just is a snowball and keeps yeah. yeah, you know, for us at the end of the day, you know, we want, we want to provide programs where, you know, it doesn't, it doesn't matter to me if the, if, if a young person knows how to rewire their brakes on a bike, um, if they, you know, if they've learned the difference between a wrench and a screwdriver, that's amazing. And they've learned a lot of, you know, skills and confidence along the way. And there's, there's all these little, little micro wins that happen, you know, a young person showed up on time, you know, all these things that I think, we, we tend to always look for the negative stuff and to try to, it's really hard to rewire your brain from these kinds of tracks because our brain is predisposed to being negative because it needs to protect, feels the need to protect us. Um, but I think finding those little things where, you know, hey, this, you know, and we see this growth in the young people throughout our program is that, you know, oh, there's somebody that's showing up. Oh, there's somebody who three weeks ago wouldn't talk to a single soul in this room is now interacting with his peers in the class. Oh, there's, you know, they're using a tool right for the first time. Um, and there's just these little things. And if you can highlight those and, and bring those to the attention of the of the youth or, or yourself, um, I mean, it all adds up. Like it's just this, this bucket you keep filling with all of those things and it makes it easier for their brains and our own brains to be able to recognize those positive signals um, when they happen and see more of them because there's there's you're just seeing there's just more of them to see. Um, they're there. You just don't have your goggles kind of attuned to looking for them. And so when we talk about the programs, and maybe we'll clarify this a bit, there's really one main program, which is where um, youth and predominantly, I think. Uh, elementary school which is what are the ages yeah for? it's actually pr pretty much we're kind of like um 12 to 24 now so we do bike club or our earn a bike program which is our largest program at two view we work with about in a typical year we work with about 450 youth in that program um and we they're about grades uh 7 to 12 uh for the most part and they they come for 10 weeks after school again this is like a typical non-covid year but they come after school for 10 weeks uh for two hours and we work on um, social emotional learning. We have opening circle where we talk about, you know, like a question of the day. We'll talk about empathy. We'll talk about growth. We'll talk about teamwork. And then they'll go away and they'll do um, a mechanics lesson. So they'll they'll learn something about repairing the brakes or, um, you know, fixing a flat tire. Um, and they'll work together on that as a team. Um, and 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 those kinds of opportunities have a lot of teachable moments in them too. And so. Um, so yeah, we work with a lot of youth. And then at the end of that program, they earn a bicycle, a lock and a helmet. And so that program is about $5,000 for one cohort? Yeah, to send a cohort of youth. So a cohort of youth is about 12, to, depends on the size of the classroom, but we try to 12 to 15 uh, young people in a gym after school or wherever. Um, and so we do those all over the city of Calgary or as many as we can with funding with funding available. So it's about five grand to put one of those on and we provide them with snacks. Uh, like I said, they get a bike, a lock and a helmet. Um, we're starting to also include um, like a little multi-tool in there as well, because we're recognizing, you know, the youth are going home and they don't have, they know have the knowledge, but now they don't actually have the physical tools to fix the bike when they get home. So um, we're trying to provide some of those as well. And tell us about the GAP program as well. Yeah, so our GAP program kind of was born out of our uh, earn a bike program where we started seeing young people, you know, turn 18, they're aging out of 
traditional programming, you know, usually when they're 18 is sort of this magical age where you're supposed to be an adult and you move into adulthood and you kind of lose access to a lot of the resources and things that you would have had as a young person. And so we created this program uh, called GAP and it is an employability program. So we work with 18 to 24s in that program to really build up their confidence and resilience and their skills, their job, their employment skills. So we work with a couple of partners to do financial literacy and um, job interviews and resumes, as well as higher level bike mechanics, and then do a wide variety of different projects um, with them to get them some practical experience. Um, if we can, we try to get them into um, support them into getting them into either a bike shop or some other employer uh, for a practicum experience that we and, and the youth are paid to participate in this program. Um, so it is a job they do interview to to be a part of it. Um, but we really look for youth that are not in education or in training or employed at this time so that they get an opportunity to get their foot in the door, a first employment experience um, that is really supported and understands, you know, is really as employers, we wanna learn about what they, you know, their strengths and what they wanna achieve and focus on that strengths-based um, education so that we're, you know, looking for what they're good at and then how can we, you know, introduce them or connect them with, a, with an, the next agency or employer on their journey. And so with the youth, especially at, in the GAP program, they're 18 coming in, they've gone through the formal education system. Um, they probably had some struggles there or, or some struggles around their time there. And so I'm guessing they, you know, they're not going into this with necessarily a, a growth mindset. And so what are some of the techniques and strategies that, that you and the team are using to help, you know, really give these life or these youth a, um, a great opportunity to, to, to gain these skills and, and enter the workforce. I think it really starts for us with connection and building connections with these young people. I mean, you have to have, they have to trust you in order for any of these ideas or concepts or, you know, things um, that you know will help them for them to sort of sink in or take on that information. So it really starts with a trust building process and, and making sure that we're, you know, we're a place that they want to be, that they feel safe, that they feel a sense of connection. And we work on building not only connections between our facilitators and the youth, but also, um, within each other and how can we get to know each other. And so that really helps with our opening circle exercises, our closing circle exercises, where we, you know, ask questions and we allow youth to bring up things that are challenging them if they feel safe to do so. Or, um, and we have, you know, kind of one-on-one -on -one or two, you know, with two staff um, connecting with them about what are, um, you know, what are, you know, if there's, if there's things that they need support with. And so we can, if they don't feel comfortable bringing those up in the group, how can we help connect them? And I think it's about showing up every day and trying to, you know, but also having them recognize that we are human and we don't always, not every day is a great day. Um, and making sure that we're authentic with our experience and, and, you know, showing them it's okay to be real and it's okay to bring their full self to, what they're doing here and and that you know like everybody's got stuff that they're baggage that they're carrying and and how can we you know how can we work to hold it together and how can we work um to carry those that baggage um you know in a in a lighter way hopefully um by you know supporting each other or learning from one another and and i so i think it, it has to start with that connection and that trust building uh, for that um, the growth mindset pieces to to evolve. And then, like I said before, role modeling is a big piece of it. 
I think it's about having those conversations where you're kind of going, you know, and you're trying to help them reframe what their, what they, what they, their worldview or their view on, on a particular situation. So you're trying to get them to think a little bit differently and then just, you know, just really loving them and loving them for who they are and, and allowing them to sort of have positive connection with positive role models um, is, is really important too, because a number of our youth don't have that and don't have relationships with, with adults in their lives that are positive or, or where they could be. Um, and someone that just, you know, cares for them just as they are and, and, you know, realizes that they're, they're just a human just trying to figure stuff out. And, um, yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of a bit of a magic sauce, but we definitely, uh, you know, try really hard to, to, to instill in them that there's so much possibility and that there's so much, um, to be gained from having a growth mindset and the things that you can learn and the continue to challenge yourself and what really, what do you value and what do you, what gets you excited and what fills your bucket? Is it, you know, creativity? We had a, a young woman, a couple of uh, sessions ago that was really wants to be a tattoo artist. Um, so we connected her with a tattoo artist we know. Um, we had a, a young, uh, young man who's interested potentially in a career in the military. And so we connected him with a with an army officer that I happen to know. And um, so those opportunities too, that go kind of beyond the boundaries of, the, of our traditional program, we want to see where we can make connections and try to make a little magic and, you know, beyond, beyond what our programs do and, and bring them, just bring them closer to the community as much as we can. Yeah. I mean, that building that trust and connection is so important, whether it's with youth or, or the work environment. And I think that's where the vulnerability comes in. Because when you walk down the halls at the office, and not where I am now, it's fantastic there, but in, in past, and you ask people, how are you doing? And the answer is you know, 10 times out of 10, fine or okay. Mm -hmm. right? Or busy. <laughs> or living the dream in a you know, sarcastic manner. And you can't build the connections and trust with people when, when that's the answer, right? And so what I started doing is like, no, I don't, you know, when I ask what your weekend was, don't just tell me you work. Like, what did you actually do? Because I know you didn't sit down and work the whole weekend and, you yeah. know, and really push people to go beyond just that fine, okay, busy work yeah. answer, right? Because once you know them and, and you can humanize them, that's where the trust and connections come. And I think that's where, um, you know, relationships and work, those experiences can really become uh, more fulfilling. Yeah. And there's, there's data that shows yeah, there's data that shows that connection, you know, like they're that, that even in your brain, like they've shown when you have con real authentic connections with people and people know, you know, your, your, your daughter's names and they know, you know, who, who your wife's name and they know like all of these things and the stuff that you're into and take the time to genuinely care about those things that that lights your brain up like that just you know your their neurons are firing on all of that quite a bit um you know and that's the kind of we're social humans and we really need a sense of belonging and i think that that's really what we try to create a two-wheel view is a, is a sense of belonging for for the team that works there for the for this for the youth that participate for our board members is really try to create a place of where people feel like they're they belong and um, it's, it's so core and elemental to who we are as humans. And I think if you can start checking off those boxes, then it's easy to see the possibilities and that growth mindset just flourishes. Cause you're like, I feel safe. I feel supported. And now like, what is possible? Like, what are, what kind of cool stuff could we get up to if we felt safe, if we felt supported, if we felt well, trusted, um, 
you know, and I think one of the hugest tragedies of the world is the loss of human potential due to this kind of stuff where people aren't allowed to live in a, in a, in a place that flourishes, like allows their creativity and their, um, you know, just their, their growth to, to, to flourish in that way. I mean, I love that. I, I love how you talk about you, you get those connections and relationships and that's the gate, right? That's the threshold issue. And once you get through that, then I mean, where you take your staff or where you take your, the, the youth, it's unlimited Yeah, because everyone's willing to go and, and take those risks together. So, you know, I, I don't think, I mean, it takes a lot of work, but for people to start this in their lives is easy. It's when you get the answer, how was your weekend? Fine. No, great. It was fine. But what did you do? Yeah. Yeah. It's similar. It's similar to asking. It's similar to asking people what they do, you know, like, oh, well, I just, you know, I, I, I manage a charity. Um, or you could say, you know, I have the distinct pleasure of being the leader of one of the most amazing nonprofits in, in, in the city. And, you know, what answer provides a moment of connection for someone else? Um, then it, you know, that, then that just cat, like that catalyst just continues. And, and I think, you know, there's so much opportunity for us to really connect better with each other, you know, post COVID is going to, it's going to be interesting to see how that all works. I'm excited to sort of build back that connection, um, and have, um, and just, you know, like when you have all of those, when you feel safe and you have all those pieces together, like the things that can be created is just beyond our wildest imaginations when we're in the non like in the closed mindset. Uh, so what, one more question, because I know you're, you're busy and you have an organization to run here. Um, so you talked about all the amazing things we can do once we get through that gate, once we get through the that threshold. Can you give some examples of what you've done with your staff uh, specifically? Um, yeah, absolutely. I, I no, that's just... I, I watched it on the socials and, and I'm very jealous. I'm like, all right, what's Laura up to now? This looks great. Yeah. Yeah, well, some of it is just kind of crazy brainchild stuff that I just brainstorm at home. And, and some of it is a combination of research that I've done. I've become really interested in organizational culture and how can we build and build organizations that really support people and allow them to grow and allow them to feel safe. And, and how do we, you know, how do we create organizations that people just really want to, to be a part of and, and feel a sense of belonging in. And then um, part of, you know, a big part of it is really selfish. I'm just creating an organization that I want to work in. So, um, you know, we do things like, well, prior to COVID, we did things like we would have staff lunch, um, lunch day. And so we would take turns providing every uh, other staff member lunch. We have a team about seven or eight, you know, depending on the year. And um, so, you know, every seven or eight weeks, you would make lunch for everybody else. And we would sit down and have intentional team time. Um, and as a part of that, we had our, our teachable. And so each member of the, um, you'd have once a week, once, yeah, once every eight or seven or eight weeks, you would need to teach the group something. So it could be something related to your job. It could be something related to, um, you know, anything. So we had things like learning how to juggle, learning how to play the ukulele. Um, we learned German, some German words. We learned all kinds of different things. And this just allowed the team to really connect to one another outside the kind of bounds of what they know um, through their work and build those connections and understand. And we did a thing on unicycling um, as well. So we've done some pretty fun and wacky things that just get people laughing. And, and I think it allows, it's kind of a great equalizer too, because 
you know, the people that are really good at, you know, leadership or spreadsheets or all of those, some of the work related stuff are probably not also good at juggling or riding a unicycle or, you know, any number of other things. So it's, it's neat to kind of have those activities. Um, I tried to take the team a couple times a year on a team day and I never tell them what's happening, which is really fun for me. Um, but we do things like we, our most recent one, uh, one of our most recent ones is we got, we hired an artist, uh, to take us on a bike ride and, and she runs this program called pedal and paint. And so we took the group out and we did paintings along the, the Bow River. And so that was really, really awesome. And so just trying to, you know, use creativity and, and trying to do different activities. We'll have like ice cream days where we'll just stock the freezer full of ice cream in the summertime, usually, and barbecues. And for that, right? Yes, yes, absolutely. Um, you know, and I just, for me, it, it fills my bucket up quite a bit to do these things. And I actually have like a running list um, that I'm happy to share uh, with some of these tips and, and things that I've, I've kind of just jotted down of ways of making fun and, and they're not just applicable for workplaces, but ways that you can kind of infuse some magic into uh, your day to day. And it just changes, it just changes everybody's mindset and it, and it deescalates situations and it puts people in a, in a more state of calm. And then you can have more, you know, critical conversations that you still need to have, but it just allows everybody to, to feel, feel safe and, and, and a, and a greater sense of connection. Yeah, I think that that intentional team time, it just helps to humanize everyone. And even if you're not in, you know, quote unquote, a leadership position at work, I think you can do it with, you know, the five people who's the closest to you. Or yeah, the absolutely. You know, you're in office, person on your right, person on your left. Right. And you can just start small. And I think we often say, well, management doesn't do this or the senior leadership doesn't do this. Well, let's just take the initiative and we can start small and do it with our, our neighbor or two neighbors, you know, at, at work and, and other people will see what we're doing. And I think catch on and it, be, it can become uh, infectious. Maybe infectious. I think you, yeah. COVID, but, you know, it can, it can spread. Yeah, totally. I think you need something like either six or 11%. I'd have to look up the exact stat, but it's either six or 11% of the organization. If you get that many people involved, then you can actually flip a culture of, um, uh, you know, like change, make significant change in an organization. And, and I think, you know, I have like, you can, you can do things for, for super cheap, like the power of post-it notes. I use post-it notes all the time. So I, I mean, my desk is filled with post-it notes, but I also leave post-it notes for the staff on their desks, on the walls, in the washroom. Like I leave post-it notes of, you know, in our, in our program van, I leave post-it notes for the volunteers, especially now that I'm there less physically all the time as I was prior to COVID. Um, it just feels like it's little like reminders of what, you know, what we're about and what we're trying to do and how can we all achieve it together and just reminding them of who they are. And, and so it's, you know, for the pack, the price of a pack of post-it notes, you can do a lot of, a lot of cool, you know, team building and, and, um, you know, momentum building, I think with that too. That's great. Um, the power of a thank you, right? Sometimes. And that, and that's a big piece of what we do at Two Wheel View too, that I think helps build connection between our, between our team and between our, um, 
um, and, and the youth and, and, and our board. And I think that that really helps, you know, move, move organizations. It moves people, it moves your individual brain. You can, you know, there's lots of research, I think, on appreciative inquiry and how appreciation can help us um, get beyond where we're stuck. And um, we, so we use appreciation. So we have opening circle, like I talked about, we have a closing circle, which is usually centered around appreciation. And the idea is that you appreciate someone in the circle, doesn't always have to be. Ideally, the, 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 the appreciation is at one person um, so that it's not just kind of a blanket appreciation every time, because the, the goal is to build connection and, and to genuinely appreciate people for things that they've done well and, and to, to recognize people. And so we do that at the end of every program. We do that at the end of every staff meeting and we do that at the end of every board meeting and it's become a part that's baked into our culture and it's and it's really really a powerful exercise for moving groups and and individuals from you know being sort of stuck or self-conscious or worried about what other people are thinking of them to having a genuine connective moment with somebody else and that's i mean that's just fire julie and i talked quite a bit about having a gratitude practice and sprinkling it into your day and that just takes it to the next level because, I mean, think of the impact you're, you're, you're having gratitude and then acknowledging the person that gave you that, right? So it's just, you know, it, it really builds. Um, I think we could talk all day about organizational culture, but yeah, <laughs> uh, probably <laughs> may make you work all night on other things. So I, I won't, I won't make you do that, but thank you so much, Laura. This has been just fantastic. Uh, and so many good takeaways that we can all apply to our, to our lives. If people want to know more about Two Wheel View or become involved in Two Wheel View, can you just speak to where they can find all that information? I know there's lots of volunteer opportunities as well. Yeah, absolutely. So we're, we're starting to kind of open back up again with lots of things and, and uh, have more opportunities for folks to, to come back in, in person for us. So we're really excited about that. Um, you can go to our website at twowheelview.org. It's all spelled out. So T-W-O uh, wheel view. Um, you can catch us on social media. Fa Facebook, it's two wheel view. Um, Twitter, it's two wheel view. And then on Instagram, it's two wheel view YYC. Um, but yeah, you can just reach out and, and connect with me. I'm, I'm always happy to talk about this stuff as well as what we do at Two Wheel View. Um, see, it's, it's one of my favorite topics. So I'm, I'm excited to be able to share it today. So thanks, Kevin. All right. No, thank you so much for joining us and being our first guest. Uh, hopefully we didn't scare away any, any future guests. Um, it, and if you want to make a donation to Two Wheel View, uh, I'm doing the triathlon Everesting. The link will be in the show notes. Uh, so click on that, make your donation, and you'll get your tax receipt if you're in Canada uh, right away. So a great way to, uh, to help out. And once again, thank you, Laura. And remember to maximize your one life. We'll talk to you next time. Thanks for listening, guys. And if you love this episode, and if you have friends who also want to maximize their one life, we would so appreciate if you like, comment, and share this with your friends so we can keep these episodes coming. And be sure to follow us on Instagram at Julie Stanner and at KStan81. Or drop us a comment and a DM with your questions. We'd be happy to chat with you guys. As always, contact us at StannerFitness at gmail.com. And don't forget to maximize your one life.